0: Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, keeping it real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders. Hello, and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Melody. Have you tried telephone conferencing or FaceTiming your physician versus going to the doctor's office? How was that experience like? What are your thoughts about it? Our guest today is a trained physician with healthcare experience in three different countries from India, Russia, and the United States. Born in India, trained in Russia, and currently practicing here in the U.S., she speaks five languages, a healthcare visionary, and has founded a company called Medipocket, whose aim is to provide healthcare access across the globe. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Dr. Priyanka Mathur. Hello, Priyanka. Welcome to the show. Hi, Melody. Let's begin. Let's talk about you and your new startup. We're looking forward. How is that journey like, Priyanka?
1: Interesting, full off, uh, I would say it was a good roller coaster, then it was smooth and then roller coaster, so it, it had a momentum to it. And uh, um, so I, I, I was born in India, I was raised there, I did my schooling there in India, then I went to Russia to do my medical school, went back to India, worked for a few years in healthcare system, then came to the United States. So it was a very interesting journey where I was able to cover literally half part of the world in different, different countries, got exposure to the healthcare system of, of different countries and uh, firsthand see the struggle uh, of, you know, the patients and the doctors in the system. So it, it was really interesting. And I think that's when I came to United States, which is a land of dreams, as we call and a land of dreamers. <laughs> I came here. I wanted to, obviously, medicine is my passion, healthcare is my passion, but um, I mean, coming to United States gave me exposure to, there could be a lot with the medicine that I can do, not just clinically treat patients, but can leverage technology and can touch more lives, or, or you know, lives uh, out with no boundaries or no borders. Um, so that's how MediPocket was born, with the idea where I can touch more lives and uh, borderless healthcare system that I wanted to build through MediPocket. Oh,
0: I like that borderless medical system. You you said um. Roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster, right? So let's talk about the high points and the low points. What has been the most challenging for you, Priyanka, and how did you overcome those challenges?
1: Yeah. So I think the first challenge was when I was in red, like when I from India went to Russia to do my medical school. Um, And I always uh, uh, studied in a, I would say it's a missionary school in India, which is more like, you know, all girls school and very, kind of a strict uh, kind of things around it. So when I first time went, entered into the real world, which is when sent to Russia in a completely different world, that was a little, I would say a little challenging for me to adjust to that. But it at the same time, it gave me a lot of confidence. I think um, not just being self-dependent, but in various ways, how to face things and not looking for someone for help. But you are alone, all alone there and how you would be handling wow. things. So that was a little challenging. My first roller roller coaster ride started from there, and uh, then when I came to the United States, everything was good. Being a doctor, you know, you always are in a very comfort zone. Being when you're a practicing physician, you always are like, you know, have a cushion around and you're comfortable. But then I think as my personality, too much comfort makes me itchy. You know, when you have enough what you need, then sometimes you get too comfortable and it's like, you know, it's good, right? But then there are people, there are set of people. It is like, okay, this I achieved now what? Next no. one. And I think definitely in the United States gives us that platform, that opportunity to do things. Obviously, the world is changing. Now, I would say there are other countries there where the culture is changing. People are realizing that not just the said doing being an engineer or a doctor is 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 just the key to success. Right. There, there are so many things that you can do with your passion and still build a very successful career out of it. So but yes, well, United States, I think, definitely help us to to do it in much. I won't say easier, but it definitely gives more opportunities. Opportunities. Yes. Yeah. Um, so-
0: with all the countries in the world, you're, you were in, in India. How was the thought process like when you were thinking, okay, I want to pursue medicine, right? And why, why Russia and how long was the, the schooling to get to, to your degree over there?
1: Yeah. So, you know, one thing about uh, India and I would say in Asia in general is uh, if you want to be a doctor, your family will be in full support. If you want to be an engineer, your family is in full support because it's only three professions that you feel like that your kid is going to achieve success in life or will be happy. Either you be a doctor, engineer or a lawyer. So for me being a doctor, I think I got all the support needed. So that was wasn't hard for me. I got that support. But going to Russia was a little bit, I would say, I definitely had to convince. And the reason of going to Russia was the healthcare system in Russia, or I would say the education, medical education is like of United States. Um, in India, we get something called bachelor's in medicine, which is MBBS, whereas in in russia we get md so you graduate as an md it's a little longer india it's four and a half years in russia it was six years like in united states but you come out as an md so and then you super specialize afterwards but that's that's the reason i wanted to you know not just do a bachelor's but i wanted to wanted to do the masters and that's the reason i i went to russia to do that and it was a little longer six years but worth it so so the language
0: um, I saw somewhere that you speak five languages proficiently. That's, that's amazing, Priyanka. So, so Russia, was that? Russian, is that something that, um, that you guys are taught in school along with Spanish and, uh, so English, Sanskrit, Hindu, Russian and Spanish? That's, uh, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so proficient enough to be able to take medical school over there and thrive for six years over there, right? Uh, so is that part of your um, educational system to have those languages? How did you become proficient
1: in that language? So I think it came more more with the practical part of it. So English, sorry, English, Hindi and Sanskrit are a part of uh, when I was growing up in India. So English, as you know, it's kind of a second language to us. And in some states, it's like a first language to us in India. So that was obviously English was a part of education because I studied in 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 a British school and it was a part of education. Hindi because I live in India, my family was in the North part of India. So Hindi is what we speak at home. And Sanskrit, I wanted to take a Sanskrit because Sanskrit is quite close to Latin and it's one of the Asian languages. And I was very interested to learn that. So Sanskrit was something that an extra language I took in school. Russian, I studied or learned when I came to Russia. So before I came to Russia, I knew not even a single word of in Russian, not even how to say hello in Russian. What? <laughs> I was born in a land where people generally don't prefer speaking English. It's not that they don't know, but it's they prefer speaking in in Russian, even if they know, they prefer to be the the language to be communicating language to be Russian. So that was an interesting thing, but I learned the Russian there. We did had a Russian language classes along with the medical studies, because you need to know the language when you go for your clinical rotations, you would be interacting with patients. So again, patients won't learn a language, a new language for you to talk to them. You right, right, them. right. <laughs> but Priyanka, even, uh, even writing, their writing looks
0: uh, all, you know, um, all different, right? Mm-hmm. So did you also have to
1: learn that? Yes. We have to le- learn, read, write, and speak all all three. So, right so you learn the language with not even hello to begin
0: with. So you're learning the language, you're learning how to write, and of course, learning the whole medical system, their healthcare system, and all that's necessary to get your MD. So that's quite a challenge you you put on yourself, uh, Priyanka. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. And I think it was interesting because again, you know, being just simply going to a medical school and doing that is, is obviously it's challenging in itself, but when you throw these additional things to it, it kind of a good, good, I would say interesting
0: six years for us. So medical school wasn't challenging enough for you. So you kind of want (laughs) to throw more of that, right? (laughs) All right. So something interesting, Um, that caught my eye uh, in your bio, when you said you're an enthusiast of AI, where AI and healthcare intersect. Uh, Talk to us about that, Brianka.
1: Sure. Before I tell you how the intersection, and then I want to uh, tell you like how tech-savvy or technical I was before I even went into the journey of Medipocket. For me, AI was like this movie, like, you know, this Transformer movie where the AI are these, these advanced, you know, next generation robots are the AIs for me for. So when I started studying about AI, as like AI is literally very simple technology. It's the base of most of the things that we are doing right now, to be honest. Outside healthcare, if you look at e-commerce, if you look at marketing, if you look at other industries, AI is literally a base of that, mm-hmm. you know? In healthcare, obviously, we are the last one to adopt any technical thing because doctors and our healthcare people feel like that it's the knowledge that is going to help patients, you know, get better or or the health wise. But sometimes we can make use of the things around us to augment us, to help us better. And that is where my interest in AI started. And when I started, you know, making myself educated about it. There's so much that we can do with the intersections of AI with healthcare, starting from the primary care level. So, you know, just to give you a little, a very big overview is like AI is being used in healthcare, but on a very, very advanced levels, like, you know, in MRI machines and all that, which is good, which is important. It's good, but that's not what uh, most of the people day-to-day use uh, healthcare for. Our day-to-day interaction with healthcare is primary care. And that is where if we can use technology, if we can integrate AI, I think it will augment the doctors and at the same time, educate the patients about their own health. And that's where, you know, my, my point intersection points of AI are. And I think that's a
0: it's a perfect segment to uh, to talk about your startup venture, uh, Netty Pocket. So Priyanka, share with our audience your company, your startup, how it came about and what's unique about this company.
1: Sure, so Medipocket is a cross border care with dr AI the cross border care part is a global venture where we connect international patients to the best u s specialists and hospitals in the United States. Now, for most of the patients around the world it is it's literally unapproachable to to the specialist in the u s talking about the cost, talking about the distance, the travel, and all around it so there's a desire there's a need. But there's no access to it sitting in their own country. With Medipocket, we want to provide that bridge using technology, where sitting in your own country, you can still access the best quality healthcare with the specialists in hospitals in the United States. Mm, okay, so I, I see. So
0: it's it's your your target audience would be people outside US that want access to US uh healthcare system.
1: Right. The international, it's more outside overseas patients uh, in a specialized care that we're looking for, uh, you know, the specialists. Here, here. Um, who is your major
0: competitor?
1: Um, I would say there are definitely big companies that are doing teleconsultation um, and they're doing international teleconsultations, but they are not directly doing the cross-border care. So the, the 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 big players in the market are connecting best in US to the best uh, to the patients in US only, like within the geography, they try to do. There are not much companies that are doing this cross border care as a as as a virtual consultation platform. They are doing as a second opinion or as a, as we call it medical tourism. But we are yeah. under the unique proposition is where we are not asking patients to fly as a medical tourism or anything but providing them the access like they would have access a local doctor the same they can access the wow. international doctor.
0: Oh, interesting, interesting. So, um I'm pretty sure you've heard of TeleDoc, right? All right. So, it's similar to that where you're actually speaking to a physician, but the difference is you're outside the US.
1: Is that yeah. right? I would say yes, very similar, like a teleconsultation, only thing the two ends here in Teladoc, both the ends of the, of, uh, of the portal, as I say, or both the ends, but the doctor and the patient are in the same country, whereas in our case, both the uh, patient and a doctor would be in completely different countries and they will be communicating through the virtual platform. Also, another thing that the MediPocket is, would be a little different is because we are dealing with two different or multiple different healthcare infrastructures or healthcare system. So Indian healthcare system is very different how the patients are used to giving their history or having their records with them compared to United States where people are still much or patients are still much organized as compared to, to other countries with their access to the health records and all that. So that's another thing that we are helping patients outside United States to get them organized with their health information, which make them educated and a better advocate about their own health. Because sometimes patient just comes to the doctor and they are completely lost what has been done with their body and what is going to be done now. So patients need to be aware and a better advocate about their own health and the healthcare of their family and their family members. So Priyanka, in any startup,
0: there's always,
1: uh,
0: you know, obstacles, right? Hiccups and as you said, roller coaster in steroids <laughs> when it comes to uh, startup. So, what has been your most painful um, experience uh, with with the startup, and how did you overcome that, or are you still going through it? <laughs>
1: you know startups are like you just never it's it's never like okay now it's they're gone the problems are gone it never happens i think even if you're the larger large startups like Teladoc or big companies like that there's always something or the other but obviously once you're bigger you have more resources to to help with those or or solve those in in our startup obviously in you know, early stages it's it's a struggle and for me the struggle started before i started penny pocket because as i said I was in a comfort zone. I was like, you know, being a doctor and my patient, my, my family is proud and happy about me and everything good. And then is this as, the, and then I'm coming to them and saying, okay, I want to do this. And it's like, why? <laughs> why do you have to do it? Do you have like, you know, so that thing about why to solve the give answer about that? Why it's like, because I want to do something different. Yes, I
0: want to. Yes, I could totally I want, relate to you.
1: <laughs> it was not easy for them to understand because again, as, as an Asian or as the Indian psychology, and I would say in general for a parent, pa- parents is like, you are a mother, you are a wife, you have so much to do. So why you want what? to add extra to your plate? You have so much to do anyway. So why extra? <laughs> so so it's that
0: uh, explaining <laughs> to your parents why you're opening so you know, this can thing. of worms or, uh, you know, exploring different rabbit hole, right?
1: <laughs> you know, I actually tried using my words to explain my family members like, you know, okay, this is how I would. And after some point, I actually stopped explaining. I was like, let my actions talk to them. Because if I try to say what I'm trying to achieve, not just on a, you know, it, it has a bigger cause. To be honest, I'm doing it with a bigger cause to touch people globally, to give them the access, what they desire and need. So for them to just giving the explanation, I was like, okay, the words are not helping. Let me put actions to it. So I actually put action without telling anyone I was doing my regular day thing and then I I started the company, I got to register, I started doing it. And then when I got my first application out, that is when I went to my family and told that I'm doing something like this. And they're like, well that started when it happened. I was like the day I told you you didn't listen to <laughs> It started that day. So I think I feel like sometimes it's you we put too much time and energy even in an inner circle to make them understand what we feel or what we are thinking. But it's hard for them sometimes because, again, you know, they are coming from a very different perspective. It's not their fault. But at the same time, they're just not getting it. So instead of putting too much time and energy explaining and get the approvals, just do it and then they will see it. You know, um, for the longest time, there's a
0: lot of uh, people that would say, you know, if you have, if you have a vision, if you really want to accomplish something, you know, you, you tell it to the world, you, you let everyone kind of uh, know what, what's in your head, etc. However, However, um, recently, you know, new thought, new thought um, uh, teachings are basically saying as much as possible, if there's that major intent that you want to manifest (laughs) they're saying not to release it because then it dissipates the energy or or something to that effect but uh in your case not saying and just putting a lot of action into it uh was was a better route (laughs) for you versus kind of getting the support and rallying everyone uh to your cause right Uh i hear you and we also talked about um how having a startup is already challenging as it is but there's also all those you know cha- challenges you know a not looking uh like the um, the mainstream you know the weight the white male um you know ca- caucasian that is you know typical of so you're kind of there's also that barrier, whether we like it or not, that hey, you know, I know what I'm talking about, you know, type of thing. So, um, so kudos on you, kind of foraging ahead with all the barriers that um, that are laid out, right?
1: <laughs> and I, it's, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's actually very satisfying, I would say. Because sometimes yes. when you're doing things, you're also paving the road for others who can, in smaller ways, obviously, it, I'm not at a point where I can influence a lot of people. But even if you are small actions, you can influence few people and they can take as an example. You're like, OK, she's a girl next door. If she can do it, at least I can try. You know, definitely. so you you definitely pave those things for people. That's like, you know, just take a courage, do it. Failures are never are never, you know, set, uh, I would say. The failures are not that decide your your things. Like, okay, are you a right person or a wrong person? Failures are just a stepping stone. They are experiences that add good and a bad experience. They both are experiences that add and teach you. So, I, I think it's it's that is also very satisfying when I talk to women, you know, um, in my group or when I talk to fem- uh, females around. And it's like it's okay if you are not if you are not a techie. It's okay if you're not from an Ivy League. Yeah. If it's okay if you're not. You know, you're not born here and you're, you're kind of an immigrant. It's okay. It, it, this is a land of opportunity. It gives fair opportunity to everyone. Obviously somebody has to work a little harder to get that, but it's open out, open for everyone. So, you know, why not to go for it? And
0: yes, we are, we are blessed actually to be in a place where a the opportunity is there. Not only that, the support and accessibility of resources pretty much are out there for the grabs it's just a matter of um of whoever the entrepreneur to take that first step and as they say um with action it's either it's either a you win or b you learn (laughs) yeah either way you win right so um so I like that now um Personally, I'm curious because when I tried Teladoc and, you know, that's not the mainstream way of uh, consulting, right? So this is quite still new, especially with the pandemic. Um, So facing a situation where I wasn't feeling well, so that was available through my insurance, tried it for the first time and, um, and you know, within 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 a minute or two, it was you know fairly very quick. So that was satisfying <laughs> to have something, you know, in a snap of a finger, you have like a an MD or or they say they are. <laughs> they look like they are an MD. He was in scrubs and, and what have you. So he fits the um the stereotype, right? And you know, not feeling well, ha- having to consult. But now in retrospect, how do I know if this dude <laughs> is really who we say he is? He doesn't have my records. Usually vitals are taken first, right? Your blood pressure, your weight, et cetera, when you're in the usual um office environment, if you visit your your physician, right? So mm-hmm. all of that has been scrapped. So I just said, oh th- this is what I'm feeling. This is that. Okay. Uh <laughs> maybe literally it was like five minutes. He said, uh, um, so you know, with your symptoms, who where is your um pharmacy? Where do you get your your um meds? Mm-hmm. You know, if I prescribe you something. And I said, here, okay, all right, I'll send <laughs> I'll send the prescription and you can pick it up. Right? Mm-hmm. Like and I did. I, I took it. I I don't know if if the meds actually help because typically if I have like a flu or fever, et cetera, it won't last that long. It took freaking three weeks. And that's horrible. You know, um, so I don't know if the meds were too strong or, or what have you. I don't know. My point is um, with this technology, yes, it's it's awesome. You know what I mean? Right away, you have access to someone that's a specialist, trained, or so they say. But how do we know if what they're saying really is who they say they are? If, you know, like with my doctor, I've seen him for a few years now. He knows me. I know him type of thing, right? So I think that's a challenge. What do you say? What do you say to those that have apprehension and are kind of reluctant to, to try this technology?
1: Sure. And, you know, it's actually a very common kind of, I would say, a a feeling that patients share sometimes. And so teleconsultation, interestingly, is something not new. It has been there past 20 years in the market. The only thing is it became very visible, very adaptable only in the recent years and more so in pandemic. And it actually shows the value of teleconsultation, why it was first started, with this particular reason, is when the patients can't come to the healthcare system, because Mm -hmm. of various restrictions in case of COVID, we had a restriction of pandemic of not, you know, physically be able to go it for smaller conditions. When the patient cannot go to the healthcare system to seek help, how we can bring the healthcare to them, how we can bring the system, and that is only possible through technology, we can do that. Now, it definitely have, I would say, uh, uh, some restrictions, but the benefits part, to talk about the benefits is one, you save time you save your exposure going into for mm-hmm. with minor conditions going into a into a hospital or a clinic you know you expose yourself your your body when it's is sick it's actually the immune system is already mm-hmm. a little down but when you go outside and you expose it you're definitely exposing it to another uh, to more of uh, you know germs and Virus, viruses, and, and, viruses and stuff so that that is one risk that you have the the second is obviously you have to take out the time Uh, to do that. And some people who are very proactive, they do it, right? But they are also, we have a set of people who ignore it, because they have so much on on their plate, because of the time, the work, the kids, that they just ignore, Just they try to push it, push it. And sometimes these small conditions, if they are pushed without a medical attention, can take a bigger form. So teleconsultation provides you that access, uh, you know, and that feasibility that you can take the medical advice at the time you need. Um so that is I I think the plus point. The second thing about that is how do we get a confidence if the person sitting on the neck on the other side of the screen is actually a trained Yes. Person? <laughs> you know?
0: who they say they are not just because they are wearing uh the looking right? like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very. but uh, one thing you know Every company does a very, especially companies like Teladoc and us. Also, we do have a proper onboarding process with the uh, what we call it the the verification process. So we do have, have the doctors' registration numbers, the board certification numbers are there. And in United States, the best part is if let's say if you have any question or any kind of a doubt if this doctor is actually a trained physician or a licensed physician, you can simply take the num- name of a doctor, the full name which they provide either at the prescription or before the call and put it into a public website, which is uh, of our uh, California board. There's a California medical board website. Every state has it. You simply put the name of that doctor and you would see there everything, details about when they graduated, from where they graduated, how long is the license being active, is there any kind of a malpractice on that or not. So everything is there. And that is what these companies do and we do. Before we onboard any doctor, we do that all this. We do that due diligence. We do that verification before we put the doctors on on our platform. So that is obviously the company does, but at the same time, the patient can do that too on that. Um, and the last piece that you were saying about when we physically go to the doctor office, they check everything, the vitals, right? And right. we do it. Yeah. Now medically, the vitals are only mainly important when you are in a critical care or when you are in an emergency yeah. room. That is where you need we need to administer some treatment right there and then right at that time the vitals becomes more crucial right otherwise the vitals are let's say if you're a diabetic patient or if you have a flu um they would be asking you how you're feeling and as as a a person let's say for a female it's more about low blood pressure in general right so the doctor would be asking you the right set of questions how you're feeling and like this and that and like okay is your blood pressure generally in a lower range or a higher range we just need to know the range we don't need to know the exact number at that time and it's a critical condition So that's why these vitals are actually are more like, you know, just just uh, supporting things there, but they are not needed for the treatment for a chronic condition or the conditions like flu and uh, and like that. But yes, if it's a critical, we do need to go in depth of the vitals. Um, So that is why, you know, in a teleconsultation, uh, it's very well solved in the teleconsultation. The most important part is the patient history taking. And generally in a five minutes call, it's hard. And that's why the flu, okay, you can treat it in a five minute call, but generally at Medipocket, our calls are actually based on, or the timing of the consultation are based on the condition. So if a condition is, let's say if you're coming with a heart problem, or if you're coming coming with, you know, whatever, like like a, a diabetes or that kind of a condition you're coming, the time slots will be 15 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour sometimes, because doctor needs to know everything about you. Let's say my personal
0: um, situation. Seemingly, it's just maybe that, or symptoms of COVID, or what have you. Seemingly, it's that, but um, you can't just blanket it and say this is kind of what you need. So, prior to this conversation, I'm ready to like bash that type of <laughs> technology. But you do obviously um, bring up a, a very uh, very good point, and somehow somehow. Um, you know, it has to evolve, you know, that, that type of um, you know, care and accessibility to um to a specialist. Um and
1: one thing to add here, I think what the companies, the teleconsultation companies have to put a little bit, I would say, um um, um uh, kind of a little refine a process in a way, because obviously in the pandemic it was all about give the give the um you know uh, medical advice or medical treatment right there and then, which is okay. It happened in pandemic. But in the long run, if we want teleconsultation to be a main in a mainframe, you know, in that we need to evolve few things. For example, a proper patient history taking. Regardless, as you said, obviously, as you may, like, you know, the doctor understood your symptom as a flu, which is good. I mean, he must be a very well trained doctor, but why to leave important or a critical information? There could be a critical information in your history. So you you touched on the vetting process, which
0: I think is good. You know, with the onboard here in the United States, I mean, I think what's good is a lot of public information, and there's it's easy to really kind of dig deep as to who this physician is that's really giving all these advice and prescription uh, for you, right? Um, so that's good. Um, however, I just want to pick your brain on what your thoughts are when... Um, when there was this findings that among 11 high income earner countries, the United States apparently is one of the lowest if not the lowest in terms of um, you know, accessibility, uh, effectivity of the administrative um, process of, of this healthcare system. And who's leading? Norway, Netherlands, Australia. Right. So I don't know if it's that universal, universal healthcare system that works there. What do you think is something that needs to be addressed really in the healthcare system here in the US? Because as progressive as we are, right, with all the, with all the great things that this country offers, there's that, there's that, um, flaw Mm -hmm. or gap, um, in the healthcare system that Seemingly from outside looking in, others have have nailed it. You know, they've gotten it where it works. Uh, even Canada, I think, um, based on uh, some friends uh, of mine and family that are there, it seems to be something that uh, that really works.
1: Mm-hmm. What's your What's your thought on that, Bianca? Yeah, no, it's actually a very interesting that you did that kind of research, and that's very. I would say it's it's right that. Uh, in, in as far as when we come about the the healthcare system the us is not in number 1 but us is in number 1 i would say united state is in the quality of care we still stand number 1 but we do spend a lot like you know our if you know like we we in uh, the United States is number one in, in expenditure of on the healthcare system, which is literally 3.1 trillion dollars. Industry that is what we spend, so it's it's a lot we spend on a healthcare system. Which obviously, it can be, I would say, it can it, the technology can again help in that. And why do I say bring technologies like let's say the number of people visiting the hospitals, number of people visiting the urgent care, the emergency rooms. They could be filtered because sometimes if you saw so in, in our emergency rooms here or the urgent, urgent care, it's like it's, it's first come first basis. It's not based on the condition, which is very, it's not how it should be. It should be based on the condition because a person who's coming just with a fever or a flu condition shouldn't be seen first because he or she came first. Now, here, let's say just giving a scenario, if you put technology in here, let's say AI here, part of it, which is, you know, again, would be a base a history taking, right? Before a patient comes to an urgent care or emergency room, they have to have this simple kind of a symptom uh, navigator or, or a history taking form, right? Simple, like 10, 10 questions. That way, when this, uh, the, uh, the patient is filling this 10 uh, uh questions, screening questions, you can say, the system can then triage them in a way, okay, you need to go to the emergency room or you can just take a teleconsultation, or you can visit your primary care physician, um, you know, tomorrow or whenever it gets available. So it gives the patient a kind of a, 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 a confidence, I would say, or more like a comfort that okay, I don't have to rush right now because it's not a serious condition. Or yes, I need to rush right now, or I can take just talk to a teleconsultation. It will help people triage uh, quite better if you use technology. So our emergency rooms won't be crowded and it can take care of the patients who actually need the attention physical attention because most of of them could be taken by the teleconsultation once that need your physical attention by because they need administration iv or whatever it is those should be gone to the hospitals so again technology can help us in that the quality wise i will always say as a medical person have an exposure to the healthcare system of few countries the quality of care or quality Uh, is still we are number one again the reason is the research facilities we have the resources the doctors get you get better when you have these resources in hand obviously the doctors are so fine because they are provided with that from you know relatives and aunts
0: and uncles that have maybe gone through hip replacement or knee replacement or what have you and suddenly they I mean. It's weird um, from limping and, and super slow when they're walking. And then suddenly they do the surgery after a month or, or so of rehab and bam, they're, they're walking faster. <laughs> I mean, it's again, I think technology and the availability uh, of that is something for for our listeners out there who are here in the U.S., not to take that for granted right bianca yeah. that's um that's accessibility and availability are gifts they are you know really something to um to be extremely extremely grateful for all right so yeah. let's uh, uh let's just step back uh for a minute and and talk about your startup you mentioned somewhere i don't know which um which file you sent me but uh uh you talked about your challenges and you talked about people you talked about funding so where are you now where are you now with this startup um phase mm-hmm. are you do you have your prototype are you ready to launch did you launch already how many subscribers do you have where are you in this journey exciting journey <laughs>
1: Um, So give you a little glimpse about Medipocket. It actually started as a Medipocket prescription vertical. That was for United States. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: that was about giving the the patients a platform where they can compare the pricing of the prescription drugs among pharmacies. And then they can use a discount card with a partnered 75,000 pharmacies that we partnered in US, Hawaii, and Puerto Rico. They can use a discount card to save from out-of-pocket cost at these pharmacies. So that is how the Medipocket Rx was started, and then we saw a bigger opportunity, a global opportunity where we can have a bridge connecting the quality care we have to the international patients, and that's how Medipocket.world, which is our global venture across border care, was born. So in that we are, uh, in that journey, we have done a prototype. We have done a, I would say a soft launch also, where we have consulted 100 plus patients already, international patients with the U.S. specialist. We have partnered with, uh, with eight big hospitals or institutes in United States, like UCLA, Cedars, USC, and others. We have onboarded, nice. um, nice you know, a properly vetted specialist on our platform. So, you know, a specialist in a, in a 10 diff, uh, major super specializations. So we have onboarded a specialist and we are providing a patient who are sitting literally across world on a different part of the world, a very clear and an informed decision to make by giving the name of the doctor a bio about a doctor, what, like, you know, where where they have worked, which hospital they affiliated, what are their speciality areas? Because, as you know, let's say about cancer. can We have 100 plus cancers, as you know, there are 100 type of cancers. So, and in one cancer, also, there are subcategories. So, if the patient is coming with a particular condition, we always give them, okay, this specialist has treated conditions like you. So, they have a specialty. They have experience in that. Another thing, we are very detailed about our intake form. So we do a very detailed history taking of a patient so that, first of all, our patient knows what their health is about. And then a doctor knows what the patient is coming with, not just saying in the present what's hurting, but in the past, what happened with their body too. So we took a very, we take a very detailed history taking. So that's how, you know, we have these 100 plus consultations done. Another interesting, our, our USP is we have medical translators on the call because now again, we are talking nice. to- Not only just geographical boundaries, but also sometimes language boundaries are there too. So uh, that's why we want patients to feel comfortable that they can communicate in their own language. There shouldn't be any hesitation, any limitation of saying about their symptoms or telling about their health. So we do have a medical translators on the call, uh, obviously from the consent of the patient, if the patient wants. So these medical translators translate what patient wants in their own language and then obviously to our U.S. doctors in their in their way. So that is how we have refined the process. It took us three months to refine it. We have refined it and we have done the soft launch. And uh, we also have established partnerships in India. We have established partnerships with some insurance companies, hospitals, and diagnostic centers in India. Because I think, first of all, it brings credibility to us where a healthcare uh, uh, you know institute support uh, our platform. And at the same time, they have the right audience or the right, I would say, population that needs our solution. So going through them is giving us a bigger exposure to get patients, or I would say the users, much faster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What has been the biggest
0: barrier uh, for you? Because I would imagine, you know, healthcare system, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, they're, it's a trillion-dollar industry, and some say they could be the big bad wolf that all they really want is uh, a... <laughs> You know, it's a profit center and they don't really uh care to the degree. Any barriers like that where they say, you know what, this is just too good. Ain't uh ain't not gonna let anyone <laughs> join the party, um, something to that effect, or every or pretty much you're just getting a lot of support from insurance no, from- I would say
1: any any new thing that you start to disrupt or 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 I would say level any 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 system, it, it obviously comes with some kind of, um, I would say rejection, but it pushbacks. That's the right word to say, pushbacks. So defi- it was the same when I started Belly Pocket RX, which is the prescription one. It wasn't like I went to the to the, to, to the pharmacy. I was like, okay, I want to get integrated with your API to give the live uh, pricing to the patients. It wasn't came with like the open arms. Okay, yes, sure. Obviously, it took a little convincing. I think for me, a little leverage was because I come from a medical background. I am a doctor. So I was able to talk in medical terms. I can, I can tell the patient struggle, the doctors and how commercially it could affect these pharmacies. Not now, but obviously in the near future, what could be the thing? So obviously the larger, larger corporates are actually really smart to understand and then they see, okay, Are we having more danger not partnering or partnering with this one? Or we, uh, you know, so they were able to easily see that. And it was easier. Obviously, it was hard to get the first two pharmacies. But I think afterwards, getting another 75,000 pharmacies was much easier because then you just reference this one did. And if you are not doing, how would it look? So then it became more like a reference process than convincing them much. So it was that. But. Doing the cross-border care, I think, um, why the pharmacies and hospitals are, are partnering with them in India. Now, if you talk about commercial standpoint, like, you know, why, if I can make money by keeping pay a patient to me and, you know, making, keep, keep them coming, why I want them to be better. Um, and I think the answer to that, which became very like, you know, understandable to them is for the hospitals is like, if you make a patient get better, then you will attract 10 other patients from another institutes because they will see like, okay, here people get better. They don't just keep getting sick, but here they come and they get better. And it will be a very non-biased opinion from a specialist sitting in a very different part of the world. First of all, they're specialists. And secondly, they have no interest uh, or or there would be no bias in forcing them towards a surgery or forcing the patient towards an expensive uh, test because again, these physicians or these specialists are only getting paid for the consultation for a very unbiased fair opinion. that's it so they they are not attached with any baggages about increasing the numbers of surgery in a hospital like that, and that is i think is is kind of a leveraging or or um uh, I would say a USB for the hospitals and our partners is providing that kind of a services to their patients. So that is how I was able to partner with the United, uh, for the hospitals and the insurance companies in India. In, in US, it was much easier because you are giving the doctors and the hospitals an international platform, right? Oh. They may be really, really popular in the United States. But do we know these doctors outside the United States? No, most of the patients may not have heard about them. So you are giving them an international platform where they, you know, they can increase this international, uh, uh, you know, uh, image of the client,
0: client Yes. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. So and, and these patients do come to here, like, you know, for their treatment also, but it definitely increases the international uh, uh, client yeah. clientele. Yeah, that that is what I think it was became very clear to these institute. It wasn't something that they took much time to understand. And again, all the marketing, everything we are doing, what they just have to do, what they do best is just treat the patient when we bring them them to you. That's it. When you say we are
0: doing, um, is it self, are you um, funding this uh, by yourself or
1: uh, do you have um, VCs, other investors? Yeah. So right now, because this is the uh, right now, we have launched a prototype, and this is more like an MVP stage going on. So it is self-funded right now. But obviously, we have a team. We have a team here in the United States, and we have an on-ground team in India. And I think that's again is a very uh, the 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 USP of of us is we have the best of both the worlds because I'm here, I understand the system, I have a team here. Then we have a team in India, which is in the healthcare system. So it's it's right now all I would say self-funded we do have a benchmark that we have kept to ourselves that this is what a benchmark. After that, we will be going out for the funding because we believe we want to take others' money or outside money once we are ready and have proven with our, like, you know, with our, uh, 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 you know, this, what the phase it is, the pilot, when we have proven that, our solution, that is where we want to go for outside money, which hopefully soon we will be reaching that target, uh, you know, in a few weeks that we have crossed our fingers for. Very nice. And how exciting. And I'm pretty
0: sure very rewarding. Uh, I think that's what's also um, awesome about being an entrepreneur, especially if you're kind of um, getting into the startup world. Really, it's like um, every face, yes, has its challenges. But once you overcome those hurdles, it's like all these uh, short wins, and there's always a reason to celebrate, you know, every phase. So um, so it's hard to get bored. And then here you are with with another challenge. But I think that's what keeps you on your toes. And that's what makes it really exciting and super rewarding. Um, you, you have, you know, shared a lot. And we wish you like crazy uh, amount of success uh, with, with this venture. Uh, do you have
1: any final words, Priyanka? Oh, our audience i would say i would want to just leave with a thought which i always feel like just do it without expecting a lot in return or mm. expecting the you know the outcome just do it and you will pave your next steps as you go and before you get on any journey i think the mission is always very important that keep you going because i don't think so the financial uh, objectives are the main drive for any starter or any entrepreneur, it's all about the cause you're going for. So if that cause is really deep to you, close to you, you're sure able to go miles with that. So I would say keep the cause, uh, more on, a, on, on, on a bigger objective and always don't look about or don't keep yourself, give yourself a target or, or a, or a success, uh, criteria. But it's like, okay, I'm going to do this today. We'll see what happens next tomorrow. I agree with
0: you 100%, Brianka. Well said. Uh, truly, I think in life, it's managing expectation, right? And I think more so with, um, with, uh, with any startup. I don't know if, you know, I have this startup, um, uh, company, you know, it's been a few years now, but I could totally, um, relate to what you're saying. If you have a bigger, bigger purpose, right? And, uh, money is just the barometer to to say, hey, barometer, but more so a tool, a tool for you to be able to execute your strategies to get to your desired result. So in this case, it's that global reach, right? It's that cross border uh, or what have you. And each startup would have to have that bigger picture that they're aiming for. It's very deceiving when you think you know money is the um, is the end goal. But yeah, um you
1: make money. I mean, if you it's it's about money, to be honest, you can make bigger money elsewhere but doing a lot of other things and not struggling as you struggle in a startup. There's so many ways you can make big money. But mm-hmm. so it's startups are all about mission that you work for. I think yeah. it's it's the drive, is is the mission. The mission, and then
0: later on, without um even keeping your eye on um on the other, on the side effect, which is uh, which is money, that will also fall in the right places. So for the startup uh, uh, people out there, um, yeah, keep keep that mission as your target, and lo and behold, whether we like it or not, the money and the rest, uh, the satisfaction, the rewarding feeling, the passion, all that good stuff that comes with it. We'll also follow and, and again, can't, can't stress enough the managing of expectation. So very good. All right. Um, Priyanka, that wraps up
1: our show. Again, wishing you continued success. Thank you. It was such a pleasure talking to you. I think I, 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 did, I learned a lot while talking to you also on a common grounds. What I, all go through. <laughs> I know it. I know it. And
0: for all our dreamers out there, keep believing you got this. Till next time.